As I said, we are going to be sharing, um, I'm, I'm going to be sharing for some, some things from my trip uh, today and, and, uh, and next week. And again, there's, uh, there's so much to share and, and just so much to, that I experienced and processed. And again, not just seeing the, you know, being in the place where Jesus walked and seeing where much of the scripture happened and being in that place, but, and which brought just an incredibly, uh, new perspective on, on God's word and those things, but, but also just being halfway around the world, being, you know, seeing many different cultures converge into this, this area of the world. Obviously, um, seeing the, the world headlines happening as I was right there, just right, right in, you know, a few countries removed from, from all of the drama. And, and again, in that, just, um, again, certainly had my, my perspective opened a lot, even just on the world stage. And, and, and that, and, and seeing these different cultures and just experiencing, you know, being in a different part of the world. And with all of that said, it was definitely just a life-changing trip for me. And again, I'm, for these last three weeks, as I was gone the, for, with my family on vacation through the holiday, um, and then two weeks away in the Holy Land, I definitely tell you, I have missed everyone, and I'm excited to be back. Um, but like I said, it's been a great time for me to evaluate a lot of different things. Um, and, and this morning, as I, as I share some from the trip, I just want to let you know that, again, what I want to share today and next, next week is, is bigger than just this trip. Um, for, for me in my life and in my ministry, and, and again, realizing what, um, what all that, that has been accomplished since I came to Oregon Trail um, four and a half years ago, and, and just the, the stages we've worked through, through the growth of our church, and, and through just different ways that God has, has molded me as a leader, and, and us as a congregation, and, and what we're doing. And, and um, I, I uh, went away even in October on a couple days spiritual retreat, which I, I do every year, and and I went on that retreat um, asking God, what is next for Oregon Trail? What, what is the next phase of, of our growth? What is the next thing that you need us to fulfill as a church? And how do you want to use me again as I lead this congregation to, 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 to be faithful to what you called us to, 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 again, fulfill everything that we need to do in our role in this community and in this valley and, and just in God's plan. Uh, again, I've prayed and I've listened and I've thought and I've contemplated a lot through the last several months. And, and I can truly say that, that this time away in the Holy Land um, has been life-changing for me in, in many ways. Uh, again, I'm still processing through everything that I saw and experienced. Um, but I, I, I'm excited, again, about where God is taking, taking me in my own faith and in my own faith journey, where he's taking us as a church and what he, he has in store for us to accomplish through the next months and years. Uh, and, and with that said is, again, I, I'm excited to share with, with all of you about the trip, um, and I'm planning to do that in a few different ways. Like I said, today, next Sunday, I'm going to share from the trip, but, but still be focused on a few places and experiences that, that were directly connected to, to the, my vision for Oregon Trail, and for where I just see God taking us uh, through the next, the next season of our growth as a church and our next season of ministry. Um, but as I share with you also, just next Sunday evening, I want to share more, just a bigger picture of, of the entire trip, and which will be full of pictures and stories, and you can ask questions, and we'll interact with all of that, uh, you know, as we just enjoy some dessert together and, and just uh, talk in a less, less formal environment. Again, I already mentioned in that that there were definitely some world tensions going on in the area, um, but I, again, I, I want to tell you that I felt safe the entire time. 
Um, we ne- I never felt threatened or, or worried about what was, what was going on, uh, you know, in the world and in the headlines. I will say I know that it worried my wife more than it worried me. Um, and, but again, thank you for your prayers again, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for the protection during that time. Um, but uh, again, I did feel, um, feel that this, um, the people in the area and in this general area of the world, that they were very open and embracing of, of visitors from all over the world. And again, for the most part, they embraced uh, all, all of us that were there. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that, that was kind of part of the local vocabulary and kind of talk, even through our, our tour guides and, and the sites we went to and just many different things, was that they used this, this word um, of, of, of a pilgrimage. And I definitely saw that and felt that, and, and it, was, it was through kind of even the theme of our tour and the way they had planned things out and where we went and what we saw, um, this, this idea of a pilgrimage and, and how we were pilgrims on this trip. And, and to me, there was, I mean, I kind of heard this concept before, but it really seemed to come alive a lot for me and thinking about what, what exactly do they mean? And this morning, as I kind of start to unpack the trip, I, I want to, that's where I want to start, is I want to start looking at, at just kind of this definition of what is a pilgrimage? Okay, and so this is the Wikipedia definition. A pilgrimage is a journey often in an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about self, others, nature, or a higher good through the experience. It can lead to a personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. I think as I, as I look at this, again, very general definition of a pilgrimage and, and realize that, that that's truly exactly what, what I was on, right? On what our entire tour group was on as we, as we all went on this, again, life-changing trip, even once in a lifetime for most, kind of a trip and kind of a tour. And we were there seeking, you know, into this, this unknown foreign place, looking, looking for higher meaning and, and seeing what God, again, had done in this area of the world and, and how, and again, the stories in the Bible just truly, you know, came, converged in this area and, and, and walking where Jesus walked and, and showing up again in these areas where these, these incredible, you know, events of, of our faith happened. And again, seeing that, again, to, to tell you as I look at this definition and, and just to hone it in more, definitely on my trip, I'll say is it definitely was it. And, and seeing that, that, that I hope that I have been personally transformed from this experience. And again, I'm excited to, to, to return to my daily life, to get back into my family life and, and work life and community and church and, and all of these things. Um, but again, I'm excited about what God has in store. Some of the most transformational moments for me on this, on this pilgrimage. I just want to share briefly with you. First off, my, my favorite site of the entire trip was the Garden of Gethsemane. And this, again, here I'm standing here in front of these, these olive trees uh, that have been preserved at this place. And again, one of the kind of the, the shocks for me as we went there was these incredibly holy places that, that we've, I've read about my entire life in, in the scripture. And you go there and see that they're surrounded by this, this modern bustling city. Right? And, and again, thinking about how just the normal business of life is happening, in, especially in Jerusalem. And, 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 you know, this modern city is happening. And I was like, but, but do they know what happened here? And like, they're just running it every day. And, and yet, but many of them have been memorialized or like kind of gated off and, and set off at these sites. And, and again, the Garden of Yosemite here is one of those. And here in these olive gro- this olive grove in this area, there are trees in this, um, in this garden that are 2,000 years old. 
Literally, these olive trees were in the garden when Jesus was there. Right, again, in, obviously in 2,000 years, the landscape changes a lot, right? And there's, you know, a lot of things happen. But, but in, in, this, in this moment, again, one of those things is seeing those trees and, and realizing that, man, if these trees could talk, right? What did they see? What did, what did they experience in those moments? Again, on many of the sites, there are churches built over these sites. And, and at the Garden of Gethsemane, this, this is true there. And again, they've built these buildings and churches over them. And, and right in the middle of the church, at the altar in, in the, inside the church, is the rock that they believe that Jesus knelt on and prayed and, and sweat blood onto. And of course, it's like, you know, gated around and it's like protected. And, and again, but going into that church and being able to sit there and to pray where Jesus prayed right, right before he um, was arrested, and, and it, was, it was incredible. Again, my, my, that was one of my favorite places. And again, the next one that we went to later in the trip in the area of the Galilee, we went to, to the place of, uh, of where Peter was restored by Jesus after the resurrection, right, when they're out, and, and again, sitting there right on the shore, right, where Jesus literally cooked them breakfast, right, and invited Peter and, and restored him from from, being, uh, from denying him on that night when he was uh, in trial and, and crucified. And again, that was just an, an, an incredible experience in that, in that place. As I'm, you picture me literally sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, right, right where Jesus called and talked to his, his disciples. The next one, too, was uh, the site of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is, again, I'm, this is me standing at the top of that and seeing in the distance, and it's kind of hard to see in the picture, but that is the Sea of Galilee right there in the distance. And, and you see kind of the shoreline, but this, I mean, up on top of this mountain where, where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. Again, out on that table is, and I don't know if I was supposed to do it or not, but I did it. I didn't ask permission. I picked up some rocks off of the Sermon on the Mount site. And so there, there, there's a few of those out there on the table. You can see that. And then um, I, I think the culmination for the trip for me was at the Jordan River, um, where Jesus was baptized. And I was re-baptized in the Jordan River. And again, I just can't hide the emotion of that experience. I think for all of these things and you just, just thinking about everything that God has done in my life and, and how, again, being in that place where he was baptized and, you know, renewing my own faith and, and commitment to him at, in that way was, was incredible. As, as I review some of these things and, and think about the idea of a pilgrimage and how I just truly believe that every believer should be on a pilgrimage in their life and in their faith, Maybe you won't ever be able to, to, to visit the Holy Land, but, but yet, are we on a pilgrimage within our life? Are we seeking personal transformation through Jesus Christ? Because we should be doing that every day, not just on, on a trip, right? Not just on a holiday, not just, you know, at, at a holy site, but, but are we ourselves in our own faith, in our own journey, on a pilgrimage of seeking transformation? through everything that Jesus did and everything that he taught and, and everything he provides through, through his life and his death and his resurrection. Again, as we look at that, that whole part, the, the, the favorite just kind of phase of the trip for me was, was our time in the Galilee. And, and again, the Galilee is not a specific place. It is an area in the Holy Land. And when we see again that it was Jesus of Nazareth, right? And Nazareth is a city 
from Galilee. And again, Galilee is just kind of the name of the larger area. And that, that was, was my favorite part or phase of the trip because we were in the Galilee area for, for several days. Again, it's so much happened in just this one area. Um, and again, it was, like I said, was my favorite uh, part of the trip. Now, this morning, I want to open up God's Word to one of the stories that happened right in this region. And, and so uh, I want to read this morning from Luke chapter 8. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke, Luke chapter 8. If you don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles uh, in, the, in the seat racks that you're welcome to use. And you can grab one of those and notice, again, the page number where you can find Luke chapter 8. And again, if you, if you get it open, just kind of leave it open. We're going to go back to it a couple times this morning as, as we look at some of these stories and parables and things that Jesus shared with his disciples. Um, we're going to start, um, you know, just in, in looking at, at some of these parables and teachings that Jesus gave the disciples, and then it's going to kind of culminate in this, this miracle. Before we read the text, though, I just, I just want to say is that when I look at, at this text and, and what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching his disciples. His, again, he's in this area of the Galilee, and, and he's teaching them lessons and setting them up for the next phase of their teaching and for what he, he needs them to do as his followers and, 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 and what he, he wants them to accomplish, you know, um, later through their own ministry and spreading the gospel message. Again, Jesus challenges them and through this experience and in this, this chapter of, uh, again, of, of the biblical text, he challenges them to, to move forward, right? To, to grow, to learn, to, to take new ground in their, their faith and, and just in, in the overall bigger picture of the kingdom of God. And, and I wanted to say to us, that's, as I see, again, the, the answers that, that God has shown me and the vision that God has given me for this church is, is that, that that is the first and most important part of our vision as a church and, and what we need in order to be able to accomplish everything that God needs us to do as we move forward and grow as a church is are we challenged in our own faith? Right? Are we moving forward in our journey? Right? Because God, again, accepts us exactly the way we are. Right? When we receive him as our savior and, and receive his grace and his forgiveness and, and saves us through his death and resurrection, when we accept him into our life, he, he, again, he takes us. That's what grace is, 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 is undeserved. He takes exactly how we are, but Jesus loves you exactly how you are. But he also loves you enough to not leave you where you are. Yeah, and he challenges us to, to join that journey of faith and to, to be growing in our own faith. And, and, and that is, again, the, the first and foremost thing that, that is the vision of our church, of joining the journey, is are we growing in our faith? Right? Because when we accept Christ our Savior and we invite him into our life and we confess with our mouth and, and believe in our heart and we are saved, that starts us on a new journey. And we have to be growing in our own faith. We can't just... Just be saved and say, I'm good. I don't have to do anything else. That's, that's not what Jesus teaches. In fact, Jesus challenges us all of the time to continue to grow, to continue to move forward. And, and again, he challenges his disciples through some of these teachings and again, just culminates on this miracle we're going to look at today. So again, that's just where my vision again, that God just confirmed for me and saying, hey, we are moving in the right direction as a church, but yet we have to continue to focus on, am I growing in my faith? Right, and that's, the only, that's a, a, a question that only you can answer. Right, but it, it, is, it is imperative that, you know, for us to be able to fulfill what we need to do as a church in this community, that we each as individuals are pursuing our own faith journey. 
with everything that we have. That we're not comfortable just camping in our faith, but we are moving forward. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 8, picking up at verse 4. Where Jesus teaches with a parable. And it says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. And this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. As we look at this, this parable of Jesus, and again, he, he tells it to a very large crowd, and, and people had, again, had, he'd attracted people from all around the region. Right? And they come and they hear this story, and, and Jesus tells the story of the parable, and, and again, and then he tells, his disciples are like, Jesus, we have no idea what you mean. Right? And then he comes to them again and explains it to them, says, hey, you guys have, you are, you are going to hear the, again, the, the knowledge you need to be able to grow in your faith. And he's like, but again, he says, but it's, it's not that simple for everyone. Again, he teaches in parables, he said, because some people aren't ready for it. Some people don't want to take their faith seriously. Some people don't even care. And again, Jesus says, he's like, that's what the scripture tells us, that, that again, God wants us to be saved. I mean, that's the heart of God is to save everyone. But, but yet, he's saying, but he wants us to come willingly. Right? And, and to put in some work into, into what we're going to understand and to, again, to, to be on this pilgrimage, this transformation journey. And as we think about this transformation journey that, that Jesus invites us into, and, and we see again in this parable as he describes to, to the disciples that the word of God is, it has the potential to change us, to produce in our lives something we could never produce on our own. Right? A, a harvest that is hundred times what was planted in our life and in our heart. Right? And yet Jesus says, he's like, but yet there are many different conditions of people's hearts. Some hearts are ready to grow. Some hearts are ready to receive salvation, but yet they're not ready to grow, right? And, and there's all these different parts and, and kinds of hearts that Jesus describes in this parable. And again, the lesson that, that I think we need to take out of that is, is realizing that the number one thing that will affect your faith journey is the condition of your heart. 
Right? The number one thing that will affect your faith journey is the condition of your heart. Because, again, we can, you can be involved in, whether it's Oregon Trail or any good Bible-believing church, you can hear the truth of his word, but if your heart is not ready to receive it, it will not change you. Right? If you're not ready to, to engage into what God needs you to do in your life, it, it will not affect you one bit. Right? And Jesus is inviting the disciples and he's inviting us into saying, cultivate your heart, be open to the word. Let it, let it take root and grow up in your life and, and do the work you need to do to, to avoid the temptations and, and you know, work through all of the different struggles and things and, and, and issues in your life that, that are going to arise because that's just a part of the journey. Right? And, and everything will affect your heart. Again, and, and we know that to be true, right? It, as we, we look, you know, not just in the Holy Land, but here in America, in church in America, there's so many things that just, just choke out our faith and harden our heart. Whether it's just church life or, you know, the business of the church or something somebody says to us or just a, a temptation that's got a hold in our life and, or whatever it might be, there's so many things that we, that can affect the condition of our hearts. And Jesus, again, is communicating that the number one thing that will affect your faith journey is the condition of your heart. Will you work through it? Will you do the work that it takes to keep your heart open to God and to his word and, and to his truth? And will it grow? And then he, Jesus continues on as, as he teaches another parable in the following verses. We're going to pick up here at verse 16. Where he says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Again, Jesus takes this, this first foundational teaching of, of, the, of the condition of our heart and, and how that's going to affect our faith. And then, then he moves to the next thing. He says, hey, you know, there's a light in your life. And again, all through scripture, Jesus, we see this analogy of, of that God's presence is, is represented by light. It says when this light enters your life and enters your heart is that it will change you. And, and he says that, um, again, that, that this light, like you, you, you light it and then you don't light it and then cover it up. Right? That the, the, the God's presence, that the truth of who he is as it, as it penetrates your life, as your heart continues to grow to produce this harvest, that, that it needs to continue to shine. Again, and, and he, he's teaching the disciples and teaching us that, that the more you grow in your faith, the more obvious it will become to everyone else because the more you grow, the brighter that light will become. Right? And the more that that light will penetrate into every area of your life, every, every dark corner, every, every temptation and struggle of sin, all, all those things, that light will penetrate everywhere. And, and if we let it, and the more that that light penetrates our heart, the more that everybody else will notice your light, notice your life, and how it's changing. 
how your, your perspective is different, how, you know, things that used to be fun aren't fun anymore. Just all these things, right? As this, as this light penetrates your life, he says you will grow in your faith if, if you continue to keep your heart in the right place and, and cultivate that. And yet, the more you grow, the brighter that light will become. And the more obvious it comes to everyone else that something is happening in you. Again, to the point where you can't hide it anymore. Again, your faith journey is something that is incredibly personal for you. As it's supposed to be. It's between you and God. Again, your salvation is between you and God. Nobody can do it for you. And again, nobody can force you to grow. Nobody can force you to receive Christ as your Savior. Uh, again, and I will say, even especially as a parent, like there's nothing more than I want for my kids than for them to know Christ and to be saved by him and to grow in their faith, but I can't do it for them. Right? I, I can point them to Jesus and I can encourage them, but I can't do it for them, just like nobody can do it for you. Right? I, the church can't do it for you. I, as your pastor, cannot do it for you. Right? Your family, you have to do it. And you have to continue to grow. And, and the more that you grow, right, the more that you will be transformed and the more people notice, which, which just brings in a whole bunch more weeds and rocks and things you got to work through to keep your heart in the right place, to continue to grow. Because people say stuff and people let you down and people make mistakes and, and you get discouraged and, and all those things. And, and yet Jesus is saying, like, you can't cover up that light. And see, and then we see this next section, these next few verses, it's just some, some just kind of interesting event here, and, and even the way that Jesus reacts, in verses, picking up at verse 19, as he's working through these teachings, and then he says, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. And someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. And Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Again, as I, we see this, again, as he's, Jesus is, is teaching us about our hearts and about our journey and are we growing. And then, and then his family shows up, and you think about, well, but, I mean, where is his family? And, and again, one of the things we experience there is realizing that the center of Jesus' earthly Time and teaching was not Nazareth while he was, again, in these public years of his life. In fact, the, the center of his teaching was a town called Capernaum. It is a town that we visited. It was right on the Sea of Galilee. Like, literally, it's right, it's, it's, it's I mean, the shore, it's right there. Hey, we went there. This is one of the, the most preserved excavations in all of, of the Holy Land because, again, later, Jesus literally curses this town. And because of that, you say his people did not continue to be there. And so because of that, there were other things built on top of it and civilization. And so there, the excavation, not down very far, gets literally to the time of Jesus. Because people didn't continue to live in this town. And, and, and as, as we experience Capernaum, this is the town where, again, there, there's a, the, this incredibly preserved synagogue of where Jesus worshipped and taught in Capernaum. It, there's, in fact, this is also where the... the the house of Peter is, is in Capernaum. It's, again, you see it makes complete sense of like, well, yeah, his family and, and others, they were professional fishermen. Of course, they would run their business out of Capernaum. It's right on the shore. Right? But yet Capernaum, again, is, is a little ways from Nazareth. In fact, it's about 20 miles from Nazareth. We went and visited the, 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 the Roman 
road that, and the valley that they would have walked down and through in order to go from Nazareth to Capernaum to find Jesus. And yet then they get there and they want to see Jesus and they're like, hey, your mom's here, your brother's. And, and again, how does Jesus react? He, he continues on this teaching here. Are you saying, hey, everything in your life is going to change the more you grow in your faith? Now, again, did, did he, is he saying that, that they cease to be his, you know, his mom and his brothers? No, he still has that, that blood relation to them. But, but he's saying, he's like, but you get, as you grow in your faith, you get a whole new family. A whole new family of believers, right? Because, and again, he's telling us, right, and, and showing us that, that the more you grow, the more your faith will affect every detail of your life. Every detail even down to who you call your family, potentially. And then Jesus continues on you know, into this teaching as we move now into kind of the culmination of, of this situation, this teaching with his disciples as we pick up at verse 22. When he says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat and they started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filled with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And then he asked them, where is your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other, when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. As we read this, this miracle of Jesus that, that happened on the Sea of Galilee, as they, they get in the boat and they start to go crossing over to the other side, and, and again, we, we see, um, again, Jesus challenges them. He's teaching them these lessons, and, and he moves through these three lessons, and then he gets to this part. He's like, okay, guys, now that we've learned this, it's time to get in the boat. We're going to cross. Right? And again, Jesus shows them and, and teaches them that as your faith grows, Jesus will challenge you. And Jesus challenges them with something new. Right? He says, let's get in the boat. We're going to cross over. Again, as your faith grows, Jesus will challenge you with all kinds of different things. Again, as we see again this challenge, and you think as Jesus comes to them, and he, he tells them, he says, let's cross the other side of the lake. Now, at first, that doesn't seem like a real big challenge. Right, but yet there, there were many reasons why the disciples would have been challenged by that request of Jesus. In fact, when we were um, out the Sea of Galilee, the first day we were there, we went, we went out on a boat onto the sea, and, and we were out there looking at this passage, and, and from the boat, I took this picture that is looking towards Capernaum. Okay, this is the kind of the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and, and as we see, again, this picture, and again, it's hard to see in the picture, but as you're standing out, in the water, I'm standing on a boat, and I take this picture towards the mainland, this side. This is the comfort zone of the disciples, right? Where they, they receive this teaching, and again, if it was the home for many of them, there's where the kind of their home base and where they were, and, 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 you know, they're growing in their faith, and this is the comfort zone. Now, again, like I said, there were many reasons why they would have not wanted to cross the lake, okay? Because on the other side of the lake, Away from Capernaum to, to cross over to the other side. The other side of the lake was a pagan land. 
Okay, there were many towns over there. It's described in Scripture a lot as the Decapolis, and the Decapolis is literally ten cities, is what that phrase means. Okay, it was not a religious place. It was a pagan land. And so Jesus tells them, he says, hey, we're now going to go out of our comfort zone, and we're going to cross over to the other side. Okay, now from this same spot where I'm at, I'm, this is going to their comfort zone towards Capernaum. I took the next picture, I turned around, and this is the picture facing the other side. Now, the day we were there, it was, it was stormy. Right? And you can kind of see that in the picture. It's, it's cloud cover. You can't even see the other side. Now, it's only eight miles wide. Okay, on a clear day, you can see the other side. But again, in this, in this moment, again, they were... It seemed like this picture shows. They, they had no idea what was ahead of them. All right, it, was, it was a pagan land. They, they didn't know where it was. It was outside of their comfort zone. And also, as they would have known, and which we experienced when we were there, especially out on the lake, the weather changes very quickly. In fact, the, the Sea of Galilee is, is below sea level. Okay, the Mediterranean Sea is not very far away, okay, geographically. And yet the Sea of Galilee is is below sea level. It's 700 feet below sea level. Okay, and so it becomes this natural bowl with the surrounding mountains. And with the moisture coming in from the Mediterranean Sea and, and all of these winds coming from all over, is that the weather can change very, very quickly. Again, something that the disciples knew as, as you know, many of them were professional fishermen living in Capernaum. They saw the storms come up. They, they knew what was on the other side. This was a huge challenge to them that Jesus was presenting. There were socioeconomic reasons that they would not want to cross the lake. There were logistical reasons why they did not want to cross the lake. And yet they did what Jesus challenged them to do. And then as soon as they're in the boat, Jesus takes a nap. I'm sure this was very comforting to them. Right, and as Jesus takes a nap. They are pushed out of their comfort zone. And then some of exactly what they feared came to pass. A storm brews. And at first they try to handle it themselves. Right? But then what do they do in the middle of the storm when they realize that the struggle is bigger than they can handle on their own? What do they do? They turn to Jesus. Right? They go and they wake him up. Right? And because, first of, because of their obedience and, and rising to the challenge, and, and then because of turning to Jesus in the midst of the storm, they then experience a miracle. And we see in, in verses 24 and the first part of 25, so the disciples went and they woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And then he asked them, where is your faith? Can you imagine that question in that moment? Jesus has just been teaching them about the conditions of their heart and about how their faith is going to change them and all these things. Then he gives them this challenge to cross the lake and, and right away, right, they're, they're faced with a test. And, they, they, and Jesus says, guys, where's your faith? Is this tough? Yeah, is this a bad situation? Of course, but I'm with you. Of course we're going to make it. I'm with you. Again, as literally as we're standing on the boat, and I'm seeing, and, and Jim's teaching us and talking about this, this situation, and, and literally the weather changes right in front of us, and the sun comes out. 
And again, this picture now is taken, right, standing in that same spot on that boat, and as the sun just comes out, right? And I can just imagine as, as Jesus is asking them, where's your faith? And this is what they experience, right? The sun comes out, the storm stops. And they're like, wow, take, Jesus is taking us places that we didn't want to go. And yet if we turn to him in the midst of the struggle, he's right there. Right? And that light that he was talking about suddenly, physically comes through in the middle of the sea. Again, as we, as we see this, right, then what, what is, again, is, is the disciples' reaction to all of this? We see in the last part of verse 25, right, the disciples were terrified and amazed. Again, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever felt that mix of emotions before. Right, but I can imagine them being terrified and amazed all at the same time. Right, as they're kind of talking against, amongst each other, like, who, who is this Jesus? Right, he, he's challenging us to take his places that we have no idea what is about to happen. But we know he's powerful because even the waves and the wind obey him. I am terrified and amazed. And as we think about those, those emotions, and, and I, I know I, I have, and I assume you probably have as well in your faith journey, you felt that mix of emotions. Maybe even just from when you first experienced Christ for the first time and receiving him as your savior. But again, the disciples in this situation, they were obedient to Jesus, right? And the challenge that he presented to them. And again, because they were obedient to Jesus, right? First, they experienced a miracle. And also, because of their obedience to Jesus, right, their understanding of Jesus changed. As we, as we see this, and this, this situation with the disciples and this incredible miracle they experienced and the challenge that Jesus brings them, right, as, as all of us on our own pilgrimage, in our own faith, right, have to stand back and look at the situation and ask ourselves, what is Jesus asking me to do? What challenge is he putting in front of me? How is he pushing me out of my comfort zone? What is the next step of my faith that, that I'm scared to take? Because I can't see the other side. I don't know what I'm stepping into. I don't know what it's all going to take. What is he asking you to do? That, that might be receiving him as your savior for the first time ever. Because that can be a scary leap. Right? Maybe it's just you know, I, I have no idea. But I just encourage you again, ask yourself that question. What is Jesus asking you to do? And then think about the same question that Jesus asked the disciples that he asked us all the time. Where is your faith? Is your faith in, in God? In Jesus Christ? In, in, in the one true God? Or is it in anything else? It is, in, is it in a person? Is it in a church? Is it in a community? Is it in government? Is it in, if it's in anything other than God, it's misplaced. What is Jesus asking you to do? Where is your faith? Which brings it into my final thought this morning, and that is this, that by putting your faith in Jesus, you will be stretched and challenged and transformed if you are obedient. So what is Jesus asking you to do next? Again, I can't answer that question for you. 
I hope that you can answer that question in your own heart and your own faith. Again, if you've never received Christ your Savior, then I hope that, again, you'll rise to that challenge today and, and pray and accept him into your life. Ask him to save you and to forgive you, to start moving your life in a new direction. If you have been saved, I, I hope that, again, you'll rise to the challenge of whatever Jesus is asking you to do next in your journey. And before we leave here today, I hope that, again, you will take care of whatever business you need to take care of with God. I hope that you will take care of it today before you walk out of here. Know, Lord, that there is no one greater than you. And God, we praise you for that today. And God, we put our faith solely in you. And God, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to rise to the challenges that you put in front of us. God, so that our faith will continue to grow. God, that our, our light will shine in this dark world, Lord, because you are so bright in our life. And God, as we go this week, I pray, God, that we would, Lord, continue to, to cultivate our hearts, God, to be open to who you are and to what you're doing. And, and Lord, I pray that you would continue to transform each one of us so that that light shines brighter and brighter in this world. God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you, God, for loving us exactly how we are but also loving us enough to transform us, to change us, not leave us where we are. God, help us to rise to the challenges you bring us, to grow in our faith this week, to take that step. God, we love you. We praise you. We put our faith solely in you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.